Hello and welcome to the Paddle School Podcast. Your host and paddle coach Sandy here. Each episode I will share with you my paddle coaching experience, bringing you top tips, latest news from around the world and interviewing some of the leaders in the industry and all to help you play your best paddle. So let's not waste any more time, get comfortable and enjoy the episode. In this solo episode, we're going to talk about the World Paddle Tour, the journey that has been the World Paddle Tour over the last 10 years, and also our experience with the World Paddle Tour Masters Final, which we've just come back from in Barcelona these this last weekend. And what were our takeaways there in, in terms of the event itself, but also the players? What did we notice and what did we appreciate from those matches that we saw? And that was a big part of what we did this weekend. And to, to begin with, before we go into the Masters final, it's I've been watching or been, I mean, originally played quite a few World Paddle Tours and, and watched a lot of World Paddle Tours over the years. I've been to quite a few Masters finals. And to see the way the game has changed and adapted and evolved has been really, really impressive. And I'm not just talking about the on-court, the, the event itself. I remember it being quite scrappy back in the day in that, you know, I would go and I would play some of the events and I'd have the qualifying matches and the scheduling was all a little bit of a, a mess. And there was not many people managing the event and there was a struggle in communication. Everything was in Spanish. Really, everything has been in Spanish up till probably four or five years ago. But there was a, a relatively small team back in the day. And then in 2015, I was actually the tournament organiser for the Dubai Masters, the World Paddle Tour. And that was a really eye-opening experience because I worked with the World Paddle Tour. And at the time, this is eight years ago now, and there was still not really much of an English communication. And one or two of the World Paddle Tour could speak English. And I remember I worked very closely with Bebe Auguste, um, who at the time was the technical director for the World Paddle Tour, and his English is, is fantastic. So that made it slightly easier, but there were not the systems in place. And so to organize, we, we did the brunt of the organization ourselves. And it, it just, it, it's not really a, a reflection on those that were involved in the organization at the time. There just wasn't the, the, the budget or the, the professionalism in the sport at the time and so it was almost making do with what we had and and so now when I go to an event like this and um, there's a, a kind of nostalgia about it for me personally as I've just seen this evolve and you look at the event now and it is seriously impressive it could easily be uh, a master's event for an ATP for example the, the time this this last weekend in Barcelona is a 16,000 seater stadium that was filled and the last couple of days of that tournament. And, you know, it was organized with an event in mind. There was a, a sports village, a commercial village. There was a, an area for uh, the, the spectators. There was an area for the players. There was an area for the brands. The flow of the tournament all made sense. You know, there was good car parking, decent communication and, and signage in terms of where, where everyone should be going, what they should be doing. And everyone has almost evolved with it and and we're talking about the brands and um, we were brought over by Bull Paddle which was 
was great. We got to spend some time with the ball paddle players. We saw, you know, the, the setup. And I mean, their stand for the commercial village was seriously impressive. I mean, it was a four meter LED screen that was just massive. And then it played a, a big promotion of their players, of their products, of their technology. And it had almost their journey and they showed their limited edition rackets over the last five or six years and and their limited edition rackets for this master final and and it really was a, a spectacle of a stand and really the other brands did the same they, they made the effort they brought their players out they really really kind of made a show of of what they are doing and and what they're their kind of missions are, which which was fantastic. And I remember back in the day, it used to just be a literally a table with some of the racket that the racket brand owners that would have a few samples on and and that was it. And so, you know, now it's it's turned into a proper showpiece. And and here they had the brands where they could do all of their displays and they had a separate commercial area where people could go and buy. So that these these show areas, the, the stands there were were really just for people to learn about the product, to come and see the players. And they did signing and photos with the players. And that's another thing that's completely evolved is almost the appreciation and awareness from a fan and spectator perspective. Because when the Bull Paddle team arrived, and there are a lot of players for Bull Paddle that, that were there, you have Delphi Brea, Alejandro Salazar, Gemma Trey. And you've got Paquito, Chingotto, Teo, all of those were involved. And as you know, as soon as they would come to the stand, it was a swarm of fans and spectators. And I mean, literally hundreds would be queuing up to take a photo with them or have them sign a ball or, or sign a shirt or something. But the, the appreciation of those players is massive. And I remember it wasn't too long ago, probably seven, eight, nine years ago, that this players would walk through the spectators stands and half of the players wouldn't even be recognized and that that okay granted that's probably in dubai in spain maybe they've always been recognized but but in dubai that was that, that there was almost a it wasn't as easy to access or, or see them and so people didn't recognize them and there would never have been that type of response and it's just i think it's a sign that the game has been is growing and and is getting to a, you know a worldwide stage at this point and the players themselves have evolved and their level has evolved their physicality has evolved when we held the world paddle tour master in dubai in 2015 i remember vividly that the only players that asked for access to the gym at the time was bella and lima and i, I always was amazed at that at the time that none of the other players wanted access to a gym at a sports facility and it's not a reflection on the players it's more of a reflection on where where the game is and i remember that players would play matches and then they would go and they would have a mcdonald's or a burger king or they would have drinks at the bar or it would be very much what tennis was like back in the amateur in the amateur days and and the same the same here now you would never see that from the players there's a lot of sports science behind what they're doing. They're all having their own conditioning routines. They've got very, you know, they're much stricter in terms of what they're doing off the court. And we spoke actually, we're very fortunate to speak a little bit to Alejandra Salazar about her off court work mentally and physically, what she does and how she prepares. And 
And it's it's so different now to even a few years ago. And so it's great to to see that evolve alongside alongside the tournament. And and it's the same when it comes to actually the way they're playing on court. I mean, we we were very fortunate to watch a few of the matches. Tom and I were sitting there and discussing the the way that the game is being played now. And it's difficult because you see on socials some incredible highlight reels. You see, you know, big smashes that come back to their side or winners or drop shots. And what you don't appreciate from those highlight reels, and you can only get it in live, or if you watch, but you watch the match fully on 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 TV or on your on your laptop, is the lengths that the players have to go to set up that opportunity to finish and the opportunity to finish comes in their alley but it comes after 30 shots or 40 shots and so one you know a few things I was blown away by because I haven't seen a lot live over the last few months but Cuello and Tapia for example like Cuello's defense was was something that surprised me a little bit I didn't realize his defense was so good and, you know, when I watched them play Chingotto Paquito, I thought, wow, his, you know, the attacking game is so good. The overheads are so good, but the defense is also so good. And I'm, I'm not singling out player. They, they all have incredible defense. And you, you watch Chingotto and you think, I mean, his defense is amazing. His lobs are pinpoint accurate at the back of the court, but he's also so dangerous with, his bandeca and his vibra, and he's so dangerous at the front of court with the reactive volleys. And Paquito was a nice combination in a way, in that he wasn't as reactive and he wasn't as energetic and fast around the court. But his reading of the game, his understanding of the tactics, he always seemed to be in the right place and just kind of floated around the court and hit the ball with the vibra. And this is what can be really. A misconception when players watch, they think, well, you know, this player's just hit a normal overhead into the middle of the court or they've they've hit that ball really short off their bandeja. But when you see them playing against their opponents, their opponents are are so fast up to net, they're playing that short because it's the only place that they can play in order to not get attacked. And it's almost like as the game has got more aggressive, more physical, and players are allowed to or, or are able to hit bigger smashes and finish points from from more difficult positions the element of setup and defense and neutral balls has almost magnified in that these balls are are being placed so accurately into positions that are building the point for an opportunity to finish without taking on a risk of making a mistake and they walk such a fine line between doing that and it's and i mean i mentioned the, the the men's players there but the ladies exactly the same that game is now so physical and and i've always appreciated like delphi Brea's defense but you could see that the the points are really strategic now and so long there, there are a couple of upsets in this particular event for the ladies but the way that they would work the point in order to get an opportunity to finish. And in some ways it's, it's different from the men in that, you know, when you watch Galan and LeBron, they can smash from anywhere. Tapia, Cuello, the same. They can finish so many points with that overhead. And the ladies don't obviously have that same power, you know, not to the same extent with the smash, but that means almost that they've got to work that little bit harder to, 
to get that opportunity. And when we spoke to Alejandro Salazar about, you know, the, the off court work and the mental side and the, the, the physical side, I mean, she was saying that the, the importance of the mental side is that that for her is number one, because she knows that technically a lot of the players are, are very, very good. They're at the same level. They're not going to win a match, win or lose a match based on technique. And most of the time, they're not going to win or lose a match on, on the physical. They're all in physically in, in good shape now. It's, it's not like it was a few years ago. So it's often the combination of that having the right tactic, but also mentally like focusing and concentrating and not almost letting a few points slide. And, and it's reassuring in a way for us recreational players out there because even the pros, they, you can see, and, and LeBron had this when in his match with uh, Chingotto and, and Paquito that they just let a couple of points slide and made a couple of mistakes in two or three mistakes in a row. And suddenly you're a breakdown in the set and you are scrabbling. And it's, it's, this is what I, we're always saying to our players, particularly on our members platform. They're talking about the mental side of the game, how they prepare for their tournaments. How can they make sure that they don't go three love down at the start of a set? Or if they always get to five, two up, for example, and they always let their opponent back in, it's, it's how can they maintain that mo- mental focus throughout and not have these drops in focus? And this is something that you see at the top level. So it is reassuring to know that, that everyone goes through that, but it's, it's one of those that if you can find a way that works for you and your partner, because it is a team game, then you can almost keep your level of intensity as, as even throughout, then you are more likely to have a consistent overall result. And that's one thing that I think Paquito and Chingotto did really, really well during this tournament is that they just kept that level so high. There was barely any dips. There was the odd ball that Paquito went for that maybe he didn't need to go for, but that, that's that's kind of his personality there. He is a bit of a showman. He is someone who who goes for those risks. And and in a way, that also makes the opponents a bit wary of him. And it is part of the game. So I'm not saying that he should remove that at all. But but you know, that's that's what I'm talking about. And 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 what was great is that he might go for one of those and then the next point play a really strong, solid point. So it wasn't a lapse in concentration, it was probably just a uh, you know, playing a shot that was ever so slightly risky. And and Really, that was mine and, and Tom's takeaway from these matches is that playing without having lapses in concentration or, or if you do have a lapse in t- concentration, keeping it as, as short as possible, as minimal as possible to one to two points, if you can, was, was takeaway number one. And takeaway number two was these points are built up patiently from the very start of the point. They are not that the pros are not going for winners from even in the first five or six balls of the rally. They know that they're playing the long game. It is literally like a game of chess where they are manoeuvring their opponents into certain positions. They're trying to keep their focus and and guard their position so they aren't getting themselves into a defensive position while putting their opponent under pressure and almost keeping that up as a barrage of attack or, or a barrage of focus against your opponents. And that was that was a big takeaway for me. It was almost that patience, patience in the game. And you see it from the top attacking players, but you also see it from the defensive players. You see it from all of 
the players on both ends of the court and 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 definitely never trying to finish from the back. They would not even, you know, you could see they weren't even considering an attempt to hit a, an amazing passing shot or their Chiquita was only to build the point. It was never to, I'm going to play an angle Chiquita to hit past my opponents. It was just, it was just an, an unnecessary risk. And so those are my, my real on court takeaways. And it's going to be exciting to see where I say the world paddle tour, but now next year it will be the premier where this will go from here. And, Speaking to the players, I think some of the players and the the staff from the World Paddle Tour and and even the brands, there's a there's a little bit of the unknown. There's talk that there's going to be a lot of events in the calendar. There's talk that they're going to be spread worldwide. And I think if they can coordinate that well with the players, with the brands, and and continue the the growth and development of the events like we've seen in the World Paddle Tour over the last eight or ten years, then then I think that we're going to have some seriously impressive growth in the game. It's really, with the World Paddle Tour, only been the last two to three years that we've seen a lot of international events. I remember when I was playing, I remember there being 19 tournaments in the year, 17 were in Spain, two were in Argentina, and that was the that was the tour. And so, so now, in the last few years, we've seen quite a few uh, international events. And I know that in Premier, we're going to see a lot of international events. And that's that's one of those things, because this last weekend in Barcelona, the, the crowd are so knowledgeable or, or educated in paddle. You know, they they really appreciate the game. They filled 16,000 seater stadium. There's not a lot of countries or cities that you would be able to do that in. And they, they did that, I would say, comfortably for those days the the latter days of of this tournament and so it's just if we can continue this awareness continue this appreciation of the event of the players and make sure that you know we are developing the game at the same time then I'm I'm really really excited to to see where this goes and we bumped into quite a few of our members while we were there which was great I love spending the time with our members, with our community. And we were chatting about the games and we actually saw a lot of them at you know, the airport on the way there, all the way back. And and there's this real buzz because I mean, they were people, there were some from South Africa, some from Scotland, some from different areas of of the world. And they all had that buzz about the game of, of where it can go. And they uh, really appreciated watching it in live. So if you haven't seen live pro paddle or, or high level paddle, then I highly, highly recommend it because you will learn so much about the game from from watching players at a higher level. And I know that a lot of people don't have that opportunity or don't necessarily, it's not so accessible for everyone. But if you do get the chance, please do, you know, make sure you do that. And then, you know, the second thing is always just to, to take away. Like if you do watch it live, a bit like I've done here, I've given you my takeaways, try and get a couple of takeaways that you can then try and implement into your game. Now, I would love to hear from you on this. And so I will put our social media links and handles and everything in the show notes. But please let us know either via email at info at the paddleschool.com or respond to our social media. Um, we will be doing a video vlog of the event on YouTube and, and respond in that comments of what you thought of the event, if you watched it or what you think about watching live performance. And, and obviously, if you're one of our members, then please in our private members group, please let us know um, what you thought. And, and if I saw you there, it was great to see you. And 
I look forward to the next episode where we'll probably be discussing some of these tips with Tom on how we can implement them in our game.